Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. How in the world are you? I pray in the name of Jesus that all is well with your soul and that uh, you're joining us here today expecting a miracle, expecting to hear something wondrous and and uh, to give you some revelation into how things are going in your life and what you need to do to be victorious in this life. Praise God. Praise God. But before we get into the message, let's spend a few moments in praise and worship to our Lord God, Jehovah, who's a wondrous God. And let's just simply sing praises to him, sing praises to him as we sing the song by Free Chapel called I Sing Praises to Your Name. Praise God. Praise God. Would you all just stand to your feet if you're physically able, if you would stand to your feet right now. Would you just raise your hands one more time toward heaven. Now listen now, let's just begin to worship Him all over this building in the overflow. We're going to pray for every one of you that desire prayer tonight. The same anointing in here is flowing into that room right now. Just begin to worship Him now. Just for a few moments, let's entertain His presence. Let's worship Him right now. Just give Him glory. Close your eyes and lift your hands. Tell Him in your own way how much you love Him. Tell Him in your own way what He means to you. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. Precious Jesus.
Praise God. God is good. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, oh Lord God, we welcome you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify thy most glorious name in the name of Jesus, oh Lord God. And we've come before you this day with thanksgiving in our hearts, oh Lord, to first of all thank you for this day that you've made because this is the day that you've made and we shall rejoice and be so glad in it, oh Lord. We thank you for all of those things we take also for granted, every single heartbeat, every single breath, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the food on our tables, the roofs over our heads, O Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of being able to come before you like this to just worship you here today, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I also pray that as we go forward that you shall touch the hearts, the minds, and the spirits of all those that would be in the sound of my voice, O Lord God. I pray that your wondrous Holy Spirit will minister to them in your own special way, O Lord God, because only you know the needs, the desires, the things that are going on in all of our lives, O Lord God. So I pray that you'll speak to every individual hearing my voice in the name of Jesus, O Lord. Let your signs and wonders be made manifest in their lives, O Lord God. Let them see and hear and understand your voice here today, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, we just praise you, Lord, and I turn this space over to you. I give this time and space to you to do with as you will, O Lord, for your honor and your glory and your praise, O Lord, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. God is a good God. God is a wonderful God. And as I said, let's expect a miracle today. Let's expect to be blessed by his words today as we uh, get into his word, O Lord. Amen. And without further ado, why don't we go right to his word by going to the book of John. Okay, we want to go to John 1, the very first book in the book of John, John 1. And we will read from verse number 1. These are very familiar scriptures, praise him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Reading that again, verse number 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Amen. So they did not understand Jesus. The world does not understand Jesus, but he is the light of the world. The light of Jesus continues to shine. But as the word says, but darkness does not understand it. And tries to put us into darkness so that we can't understand what Jesus is saying. Okay, so the world is out there trying to to put this darkness there because they don't understand him. But we must learn to understand and realize that Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. Now, the word is, the word is, is a state of being verb. It's a state of being verb. 
You know, so it's like, how do you feel? And you say, I am okay. Well, if you think of it another way, you're, what you're saying is, I is okay, which is, of course, bad grammar. But what that is really saying is that the condition that you're in, your state of being, is that you're okay. Amen. So the word God says, so as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's how you are thinking deep within your being. How you're believing deep within your being impacts and affects exactly how you are and what you are and what you're going to do. Okay. So therefore, as you think or believe, that is how you're going to be. All right. How you believe that is going to be how you be, because that will be the the outcome, the foundation that will be be the facilitator of how you are, the condition that you are in. Amen. So therefore, we must go beyond. And that's what I want today. I want to to take us beyond traditional Christian thinking to understand the deeper things of God. It's time for us to, to get tired of religion and religious thinking, as it's called. You know, this is what Jesus did during his ministry on earth, you know, to set the Jews free from the parasitical thinking of the time. Jesus, you've heard me say before, Jesus came with a radical new message. Amen. Amen. And he set them on their heels with how he was bringing the word of God to them. You know, changing the whole process of thinking and believing. You see? Yeah. see. So, so therefore, you know, if as you think or believe conditions how you are going to be, your physical reality, your thought reality, if that's going to, to, to affect, your thinking is going to affect how you believe, all right, and that's going to, to affect how you really, really are, then you have to start considering your faith, okay? And if we start considering our faith, then that means we also need to start considering how are we going to, quote-unquote, manage our faith, all right? How are we going to manage it? How are we going to, 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 to change our attitudes and change our thinking so that we are thinking in line with what our faith would require us to do or lead us to do? Amen? Now, let me, uh, let me give you a, a hypothetical story. You know, I love my, my little stories and examples and so on. But uh, if, uh, if you can imagine two men lost in a thick, dense forest, they're lost, and both men are looking for food and water. And they are both desperately hoping for someone to come and rescue them. Now, they realize that in order to survive, they must have water. Okay, they know that. We have to find some water. Now, now they might be able to survive without food for a while. Okay, but we all know that without water, you know, it's, it's impossible for us to exist. Without water, rapid dehydration followed by death is always a, a certainty. All right, so so the men agree to split up. They say, okay, let's go in different different directions and let's find some water. Okay, and then after a while, you know, we will come back together where we are now. We will re come back to this makeshift makeshift camp where we are, and then let's compare what we found. Okay, so we'll go separate directions, come back together again, and then let's talk about what we found while we were each on our journeys. Okay, so now as they go forth, each man finds water. At different locations. Okay, let's call them location A and location B. All right, let's call them location A and location B. They both sample the water at those locations. 
Okay, so then they decide, okay, let's go back to the to the meeting point where we've set up this temporary camp, and let's talk about what it is that we found. Okay, so again now, they each go to different locations. One goes to location A, the other goes to location B, and they come back together to talk about what they found. All right, now, since the streams of water are in different locations, each man, of course, feels their location is the best. You know, here's this pride thing coming in there. Each man feels that their location is the best. And therefore, the two of them, they start arguing over which place they should wind up going to, location A or location B. So now they're fighting and arguing over it. Okay? So they're both pumped up in pride and think their locations, respective locations, are the best place to go. All right? But they don't realize the two locations are not that far apart. But their argument winds up getting more and more heated. And so finally they just say, okay, I tell you what, let's just go our separate ways. Okay? So one man decides to go to his location A, and the other man decides to go to location B. They can't make it out and work it out uh, amongst themselves to be united, so they decide to, uh, they decide to, to uh, split up and go their separate ways. Okay, so there they go. They set up their camps, you know, and they decide to just live their lives however they're going to do it. And they, they vow not to even speak to each other or seek each other out until if and when rescue comes for them. So, over time, the man who was drinking from the stream in location A, he regains his strength. He survives, and ultimately he winds up being rescued. Okay, now, when the rescuers start searching for the man who went to Camp B, location B, and who drank the water of location B, they were shocked when they found him. They were shocked and dismayed to find that the man had perished. They found him dead over on location B. He had food and shelter, but he did not live to see the rescuers. Now, while he was there, he had water. And drinking from that water at location B, okay, led to his demise, okay? Drinking from that water, the stream at that water, led him, wound up to, uh, uh, to defeat, okay? So he did not make it. The rescuers, of course, they scratched their head and they wondered why, well, how come, you know, why did he die? And they decided to analyze the water. They found when they analyzed it that the water was tainted with a tasteless and odorless substance that made the water poisonous. Okay, you couldn't see it, you couldn't taste it, but something was in that water that made it poisonous. And the man had been drinking that poisoned water for that period of time that they were apart. Amen. One survived, the other did not, drinking water, but the man at location B was drinking water that had been poisoned. Now, you say to me, well, Pastor Carr, what does that have to do with, you know, with my Christian walk and so forth? And when I'm trying to survive in this, in this life, what does it, what does it have to do? Okay, well, it's got plenty. It's got plenty to do. Many times we as Christians are just like these two men in this little fictional, fictitious, uh, forest. We're just like them. Both streams of water were indeed water. Both were cool and refreshing to the touch and taste. But one pool of water, one stream of water was life-giving, and the other stream of water was life-taking. One pool of water, while being both water, one was life-giving, and the other was life-taking. What made the difference was the substance of the water, or what the water was made up of. Okay, the water at location A and location B, there was there was a difference there because the, 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 there was a substance that was in the water. That's what made the difference. The poisonous water had ingredients that were destructive and ultimately led to death. The other water had only ingredients that would lead to life, but both were 
water. And so it is, saints of God, without faith. When we have faith or strong belief in something, it means that we have an unyielding focus, a, a fixation on something, a, a confidence in what our faith will bring to pass. When that faith is based in Jesus Christ, we are in essence drinking of healthy, life-sustaining water. When that faith becomes poisoned, amen, it, it steers us away from victory and life. It leads us to defeat and death, just like the man who is drinking from the poisoned water at location B. So, so, so if that's the case, then what could be poisoning our faith? What things in life could be poisoning our faith? Right. Now, in the natural, and I always say there's, a, there's always a link between, between the spiritual and the, and the natural. In the natural, there are many types of poisons that could be in water, many types. Well, the same thing is true from a spiritual point of view. So again, what could be poisoning our faith? What could be poisoning our faith? One very strong poison to our faith is fear. Simple as that. One very strong poison to our faith is fear. This spirit of fear and having fear has been touched on in several sermons over the past several months, and, and which tells me that Holy Spirit wants to dwell on it for a bit because fear can manifest in so many ways in our lives as Christians. And so many times as Christians, when things are going wrong in our lives, we don't even think about that spirit of fear. We don't even think about why is it that we may be worrying or losing faith in, in a promise that God has made to us or going by the word of God and, and, and we know that the word of God is true, but yet still we wind up worrying about something because that spirit of fear gets in there and starts putting poison into our faith. Okay, According to scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And when we allow fear to enter into our lives, it enters into our faith, and our faith becomes poisoned. Let me repeat that to you again. When we allow fear to enter into our lives, that fear enters into our faith. Therefore, our faith becomes poisoned. All right? The interesting thing about fear is that that old spirit works in the same manner that faith does. Okay, again, now listen to this. Now, fear operates, that spirit operates in the same manner that faith does. You say, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, when one is operating in the spirit of fear, the focus is on the negative things that might happen in life. Okay? We wind up focusing on that spirit of fear has us focus on the negative things that could possibly happen in our life. We become fixated on, okay? There's a fixation on that thing, and, and there's a confidence in the fact that things will go wrong, okay? And we don't even think about this. We don't even realize it. But we start worrying about something. We start speculating on what might happen or what could go wrong. This is that spirit of fear that is poisoning our faith. There is always a fear of the worst thing happening or that the worst things are going to be going on in our lives. Now, this is the same process as God-type faith, but it is not focusing on the promises of God and doesn't hold on to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. Okay? When we get into that, into that point where that spirit of fear has us fixating on something that could go wrong, then we are getting away from the God-type faith of really focusing on what has God promised us, okay, and holding on to the Word of God, 
Okay, who is Jesus Christ? Now, faith is faith. Faith is faith. And would you believe, saints of God, would you believe that satanic worshipers also have faith? All right. Think about that. Would you believe that satanic worshipers also have faith? They believe, they're fixated on, and have confidence in the things of evil and darkness. Faith is faith. Whether you're believing in faith in God, God-type faith, or whether you're fixated and, and believing in and trusting in the outcomes of the things of evil and darkness. Faith is simply faith. It takes just much faith, it takes just as much faith to believe in or trust in a rock. It takes just as much faith to believe in or trust in a tree. It takes just as much faith to believe in or trust in or any demonic symbol or object or any demonic being. It's still it's a matter of faith. Okay? Occult practices are based in faith. Simple as that. Think about that. Occult practices are based in faith. Their faith is in the belief is in the belief that the rituals and incantations, these demonic incantations, will bring about the desired result. They have faith in that fact, okay? That what they are doing in those demonic, devilish, satanic rituals and things, words that they're uttering and, and chanting, re repeating over and over again, that those actions will bring about the, the uh, desired result, the desired evil result, of course. Amen. Now, now. We know that this kind of faith is based on evil, and it is a product of the devil, our adversary. Okay, so if fear is faith that has been poisoned, how does this poison get introduced into our quote-unquote water of faith? Okay, so if fear is faith that has been poisoned, how does this poison get into our water of faith? Okay? I just want you to, to just spend a moment and just, let's just think about this now. Alright? What we're saying here is that faith is that unshakable belief that something is going, that, that something is going to happen. God type faith is that unshakable belief that things will work out together for good because it's faith in God. It's faith in the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? Demonic faith is also believing in something working out, having, having an unshakable belief that something will, will work about in the, in the satanic realm. So that is that faith. But if we have that faith, okay, if we, we have faith that is winding up become, becoming poison, then something is going on in our faith lives here that lets it become poison. Okay? So the question is then, how does this faith, how does this poison, I should say, how does this poison get introduced into our quote-unquote water of faith? Okay? An agent that is odorless, tasteless, and is very subtle introduces the poison. That's how it gets into our faith system, into our water of faith. It's an agent that is odorless, tasteless, and is very, very subtle in action. It often goes unnoticed even. The agent that introduces this poison into our water of faith, this agent is doubt. It's doubt. Satan uses doubt to, to impregnate our waters of faith with fear. He uses that doubt. He does this by simply planting a thought Simply by planning a thought to make us doubt the validity and truth of God's word. Okay? He plants this doubt in our minds to twist what God has told us to do. Simple as that. Okay? But it goes unnoticed. He plants doubt in our minds to twist what God has told us to do. 
Amen. An illustration of that is in Genesis. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Praise the living God. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Genesis chapter 3 and starting with verse number 1. Again, these are some very familiar scriptures. We've been here before. Genesis 3 verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now underline that, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is how he, he plants it as, as a doubt. Okay, and, and, and he plants it in the form of a question, if you notice. Okay, He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, you see, so it says that he, he was very, very subtle. The serpent was very, very subtle in those first few words of verse number one. Okay, now, just as a side note, by the way, and this is a whole sermon in itself, but just as a side note, the serpent, the serpent in its uh, Edenic form, in other words, in the Garden of Eden, okay, is not thought of as a writhing reptile that slinkers along on the ground. Okay, that writhing, slinking reptile that we know as the serpent today, that's the effect of the curse, you know, in accordance with Genesis 3, verse 14. Okay, the creature which lent itself to Satan may well have been the most beautiful as it was the most subtle of creatures less than man. Traces of that beauty in a serpent, you know, it's, it, it remains there today, even despite the curse, because the, if you notice the way a serpent moves, it's graceful, how it go, glides along the ground. Many species are very beautiful in color and so forth, okay? Okay, but in the serpent was how Satan first appeared, okay? The, he appeared also uh, in Corinthians, or what is it, Second Corinthians chapter 11. It talks about how he appeared as an angel of light. But the point for this scripture for right now is that it says, says there that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field in which the Lord God had made. Um, and he said to the woman, God has said, has he said, you shall not eat of every tree, planting that doubt. Verse number two goes on to say, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto woman, you shall not surely die. There's the lie. Okay, so underline that you shall not surely die. And write in your margin someplace the lie. That was the lie. First he plants the doubt in Eve by saying, um, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now Eve knew what God said because God, he, uh, she repeated back to Satan exactly what God had said. God said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And then in verse 4, then he gives her back the lie, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And you know the rest of the events there, the, what went on, you see. But this is that the, the subtlety of how the devil works in our lives, okay? We will have the word of God. Maybe God spoke directly to us, but then he will make us make us have a question there. He'll, he'll insinuate certain things that God, something that God said to us. 
to plant that doubt there. Is this what God really, really said? Is this what God really, really meant? Okay? And then he'll tell us a lie. Say, if you do this, or if you don't do this, what you heard God say, you know, that, that you'll be okay. You shall not surely die. The lie. You shall not surely die. And then he'll go on and give you some reasons, which to us may even seem seem so rational. You know, the reason why God said this or didn't say that is because of so-and-so, 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 and give us a set of reasons that we wind up thinking about and wind up believing the lie. Okay? And then based on what he's telling us, all of a sudden, as it says in, in 6, verse number 6, and when the woman saw with her eyes, she saw that the tree was good for food. Okay? It says, and, and was pleasant to the eyes. Okay, and was desirable to make one wise, she did eat. She took of the action. Okay, so what happens in our lives here in the 21st century is that God will, will tell us something or tell us not to do something, and this is based on his word, and we know God is saying it, but then Satan comes along with that spirit of doubt and starts planning and saying, well, is that really, really so? You know, you've been praying for this, you've been praying for that. Why would God say that? Okay, or if he did say that, it's because of so-and-so and so-and-so. All right, and then and then he'll put that shiny object. You know, I always talk about those shiny objects. Then he put then he puts that shiny object in in front of your face for you to look at and for you you to reason on. Okay, and how how attractive all of a sudden this shiny object is. Okay, and how it becomes appealing to the eye. That's why Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Because we don't look at things of the world. We don't look at those things that seem to be appealing because they may be outside of what God intends for us. Amen? Amen? You're wrestling with something right now. There's something that you're wrestling with that you've been praying to God about. I feel like I'm speaking to someone out there. You're wrestling, you're wrestling with something that God has spoken to you about. And right now you're weighing things back and forth. There are some things that seem to be appealing to you. There's a decision that you need to make that seems to be right to you. It seems appealing to you. But you know, you know deep in your spirit that this is not what you heard God telling you to do. But yet still you're wrestling with it. And there's something else there that seems to be appealing that might be the answer. Well, saying of God, I beg you, I beg you to, to, to prayer, prayerfully seek the face of God. Seek the Holy Spirit before you go making a decision. That is outside of what God is telling you to do. Amen. Amen. It may be Satan's shiny object that he's putting there in front of you. It, it, may, be, it may be Satan there saying, shall you surely die? You know? You know? Oh, you, it'll be okay for you to do that. Right? Okay. So, so don't let him get into your heart. Don't let him get into your head and then into your heart. Okay? Because the same way that, that Satan poisoned the garden by planting doubt, how he used deception to get Eve to sin. Satan will also use deception with us to poison our faith water. Okay? All right? If you're weighing something that is off-center of what God has told you to do or God has told you not to do, and if you're entertaining it, then it could be that this, this satanic poison is being slowly, slowly, slowly leaked into your faith water system. And you don't want that to come to pass. You know, if he can get us, if he say can get us, Satan can get us to disbelieve or to doubt the word of God. Oh, man, saints of God, then faith takes fear takes over. I should say fear takes over. OK, if he can get us to believe or disbelieve, you know, or, or doubt the word of God or put it this way, if he can get us to believe what he is saying, the thought that he is placing in our mind is true and, and, and get us to disbelieve whatever God said to you. 
Now, this is where that doubt and ultimately that fear gets introduced into your faith water situation. Okay? He causes us to feel insecure because if God's word isn't true, then where lies our hope? Okay? You know, we start doubting and we start doubting and sometimes we're, 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 we're waiting for something happening, happen in our lives and we're pondering how things are going on and we start, we start getting nervous and feeling insecure because gee whiz, you know, you know, that, that insecurity turns into full grown fear because your faith is becoming poisoned. You know, and, and, and we get this insecurity when we, we start disbelieving or not trusting in the word of God. You know, when you start start worrying about whether or not the word of God is true or more importantly, to be more exact. And I know that everyone here can identify what I'm saying here. If the word of God is true for you. OK, that's when insecurity and fear starts setting in. OK, because many times we can read the word of God and on paper, man, it sounds so good. Or coming from a preacher's mouth. Oh, man, the word of God sounds so good. Okay, but then that spirit of doubt and fear gets in your life and starts saying, well, yeah, in in the Bible, yeah, you just read that in chapter so-and-so, but how is that going to work out in your life? How is that going to work out? Gee, I've got this situation before me. I don't know this. It's my finances, my health, you know, my this, my that, whatever it is. How is that word that I just read on paper, how is that applying to my life? How is that going to become true? Yes, Lord, I know you spoke to me. Lord, I know that you told me so and so and so, and you told me not to so and so and so. But Lord, how is that going to happen? What's the steps to that happen? How is that going to materialize? You know? Okay? So he mixes that doubt and insecurity, and then it becomes fear. And then that fear becomes a poison to your faith water system. Okay? The faith that was once God-focused now becomes a faith that is focused on defeat, destruction, and failure. Fear is faith that has been poisoned. Fear is faith that has been poisoned. So we have to choose whether or not we want to live our, to let our faith be poisoned. Again, it's our choice. You know, it's a matter, it's a matter of our attitudes. Choose not to accept the poisons of fear, stress, and worry. Life is all about choices, you've heard me say many, many times. Making this choice requires pure faith, not poisoned faith. Fear is poisoned faith. Strong faith can become our faith because you always expect things to go right. I'm sorry, strong fear can make you, strong fear can become uh, a poison in your faith because you always expect things to go wrong. Let me make sure that you're understanding what I'm saying here. Let me repeat that again. Strong fear, strong fear can become, come your faith because you always expect things to go wrong. Okay, let me clarify that because I just misspoke a little bit back there. You know, if you are constantly confirming and believing to yourself that things will constantly go wrong, then that is becoming your faith. Okay? Your faith is in the fact that things will always go wrong. And strong fear can bring that into your faith water system. Therefore, you end up having faith that will always go wrong for you. 
Okay? If your faith is, is based on the fact that the expectation is always there that things are going to go wrong, then that becomes your faith system, that things are always going wrong. And because of the fact that you have your faith based on things always going wrong, things in your life will always go wrong. Because that is your faith system at work. That's your poisoned faith system that is at work. Okay? So as I said in this sense, your fear is poisoned faith. All right. So now, how do we how do we prevent our faith from being poisoned? How can we we not let this happen? Well, as simple as simply by knowing that what God is saying to you is true. Okay. And first of all, you have to have a clear understanding of what God is saying to you, and then knowing that what God is saying to you is absolutely true. Okay. Deuteronomy, book of Deuteronomy, chapter thirty gives us some good insights into this. So why don't we go there? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Oh, praise the living God. You know, it happens so quickly. We start feeling one way and thinking one way and having good, strong faith, you see. And then all of a sudden the devil comes along and just real, real subtle and insidiously just puts that doubt thought in your mind. And it can be all so small. Oh, so small. How many times have you been meditating on the word of God relative to whatever is going on in your particular life? And then just a little simple question pops in. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible? You know, was Israel really in the desert? Did Moses really cross them through the the, the, uh, Red Sea? Little subtle questions. How could that be so? How could what God said to me and what it says in the in the book there, that Bible thing, how could that really work in my life? A little bit of doubt thing starts creeping in there, you know. So we have to know what God is telling us through our word. And I want to get to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and uh, verse number 1. But first I want to back up to verse number 29. So first look at uh, Deuteron- Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do well, that we may do all the words of this law, that we may do all the words of this law. Amen. So he's talking about the secret things. There are these deeper, deeper things of God that we as Christians so many times forget are out there, you know. And and it's not it's not difficult, you know. It's not physics, you know. And it, it's it's not it's not learning the you know the third law of, of thermodynamics and all of that, you know. But it's just understanding and having that faith that God's word is true and can work and act in your life. You see. But there are secret things that that underline that underlie the laws of the spirit realm, okay? And the secret things belong unto God, okay? But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, okay? And what is a secret? What is a mystery? A mystery is merely something that is a mystery until it's revealed. Then it's no longer a mystery, okay? Many things in science were mysteries at one particular point, and then when it was revealed, therefore it became it's no longer a mystery. Well, so are the deeper secret things of God. But those things, those things belong. Those things which are revealed belong unto us. 
So in other words, the deep spiritual things of God belong to you, child of God. Those deep spiritual things belong to you. Those things which are revealed belong unto us and to your children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Okay, so so what what this is saying is that the, the secret things of God belong to us, but we have to understand what those secret things are, and we have to act and live our lives on those things, which is the basis of our faith. Amen. So starting with Deuteronomy chapter 30, there's some dynamite things in here for life. Let's just read starting with verse number one. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee. And thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God has driven thee. And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I commanded thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. You know, just on a side note here about your children, you know, we are admonished so much through scripture here, how we are to, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, suffer meaning allow them to come unto me. So many scriptures talk about how we need to make sure we train up our children in the way that they should go, you know. And I submit to you, saints of God, that this is even more important today than maybe ever in our modern history here, modern life here because of things that are happening in the schools, things that are desired of those that would try to propagate this uh, um, new normal that I spoke about a couple of sermons ago, you know, that, that we need to really make sure that our children are heavily entrenched in the word of God because there are forces of darkness out there that are seeking to totally, wholly pervert our children through their teachings in school, their studies in school and so forth. So parents, you, you know, stay alert, stay alert with your children. Because it would be the devil's greatest desire to successfully takes, take, takes God's children, us, and use us to simply let our own children drift, not knowing and understanding the deeper things of God. Amen. An interesting thing about, a ch- about children, you know, they're like sponges, you know. They absorb what is going on around them. So don't think, by the way, that you can live, you know, you, you know, you know, an ungodly life and expect them to all of a sudden grow up so godly when they see how you're living, that you're not living a godly life. Amen. Because they absorb what you are doing. Amen. Amen. But if you're doing your darndest to live a godly life and you're in the word of God and you're praying and listening to the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guide you and, and you're teaching your children when there are problems, run to the Bible as soon as they can start reading or minister to them in words. If they can't read according to the Bible, pray with them, pray over them, you know, you know, and, and engulf them in the word of God, as it says here. Amen. Amen. And, and you shall be OK and your children shall be OK. Okay, it says in verse 2 again, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I commanded thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Pay attention to your children, saints of God, especially today, because there are efforts going about that would seek to, to pervert and twist our children. Amen. Verse number 3, That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have, been, and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God has scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out into the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. 
And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Please underline that. Love the Lord thy God with, thy, with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Okay? So here we see a connection between loving God with life. Life itself. Very fundamental thing that we should remember to prevent that, that poison of doubt and fear to be entering into our spirit water. Remember that, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that you may live. Verse 7, And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies, and on them that hate thee, which persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. Okay? So here we see, starting in verse 8, that the condition is that you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord and do his commandments. Okay? Okay? If we don't want our faith waters to become poison, remember that we must be, 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 be uh, returning to the voice of God and obeying what he's telling us to do. And then it goes on to say that if we do that, that we shall be successful, we shall be victorious. You know, and I love the way the word breaks it down. It says in verse number 9, And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. Okay? That means everything that you touch your hand to do, you'll prosper in doing so. You'll be successful. You know? Whatever mission in life you may have, whatever thing you pick up and strive to do. You know, you, you have a new idea for a business plan. You have a new idea for starting a business or the place where you are working and you want to be successful. Then you will indeed be successful in every work of your hand. You know, in the fruit of thy body, that's your children. In the fruit of thy body, that's your children. In the fruit of your cattle. So that means that if you were a farmer and you had cattle, that even 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 your, your cattle's uh, uh, cattle would wind up being fruitful. They would They would be fruitful. They would be birthing new baby calves or cows or whatever they're called. I'm not a farmer. Amen. Amen. But your farm would succeed. Okay. And the fruit of your land. That means if you're a crop grower, that your land would be fruitful in bearing fruits. Fruit. You know, one of the things I've often said, you know, especially living now in, in Oregon as opposed to New York, uh, where I was born and, and raised, raised, born and bred, is, is that, you know, seeing the farms around here and the ranches and the cattle and everything like that. Boy, oh boy, I mean, me being a city boy, you know, I never envied, you know, one that owned a ranch or a farm. That's hard work. That's hard work. Amen. Amen. And if I was a farmer or a rancher, oh, my gosh, I'd be on my knees 24-7 because so much is out of out of a uh, of, of a human's control. You know, you, you know, that the weather, you know, the soil. Well, I know we can condition soils and add nutrients and things like that. But the bottom line, I mean, I mean, the land is God's land. If we want our land to be fruitful and prosperous, you know, and and the animals on our farms to, to multiply, which is which is a good thing, you know, then we need to make sure that we are returning to God. OK, and hearken unto his voice. Verse number 10 says, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Okay? 
So that's the key there that we need to return to God with with all our heart and all our soul. I saw, you know, and, and gee whiz, you know, with what's going on here, and I'm not going to get on a, on a uh, COVID-19 corona, coronavirus message here because it's been talked about so much, but, but with what is going on here, we need to make sure, saints of God, that we are returning to him. If we've drifted away in any fashion, we need to make sure that we return to him, you know. My own personal feeling here, my own personal feeling is that I believe that the last several months, you know, God has given us an inkling of what it could be like under in the uh, pre-tribulation days or during the tribulation. You know, we, we, we every, there, there was so much just total, total, I mean, everything was just thrown, thrown a kilter by all of this, the economy, the sickness, the death, okay? So we need to return to God. If you've drifted away at any time, either during the last uh, uh, few months or you're hearing this message from Genesis 1 for the first time, that if you've drifted from God at any point in your life, now is the time to come back. Now is the time to come back. You need to hear from God. You need to let God be first and foremost in your life if you want to succeed, if you want to be, want His protection, to know when you should go to point A or when you should go to point B in life. Amen. Amen. God says, return to him. That's the condition. If you return to him, then all of those things will be made prosperous in your life. You know, he goes on to say in verse number 11, for this commandment, which I command thee this day, not tomorrow, but this day. Okay, so saint of God, if you're listening to this today, that you're listening to this message, command thee this day. It is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven. That you should say, well, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down to us, that you may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea, that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee. It's in thy mouth, and it's in your heart, that you may do it. Okay? So God is saying to you here to say that, 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 that this word, these commandments, it isn't something that's so far away you've got to wonder and f- try to figure out how you're going to get there to hear the word of God. Okay? It, it's, it's not up in heaven. It's not, not beyond the sea. Okay? So the word of God in verse 14, the word is very nigh you. It's close to you. It's very close to you. It's in your mouth. The word of God is in your mouth and it's in your heart that you may do it. All right. So if you don't want your, 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 your faith water to become poisoned by fear and, and, and by doubt, you need to hear and know the word of God. Okay? You need to speak the word of God. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart that you may do it. You see, and getting it in your heart is that thing that we have to, 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 to work to do by constantly reading the word of God and praying to God so that the word of God is not on the surface and that is in our minds so that we can intellectually quote the word of God back. God back. The word of God needs to be deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in your spirit. Because if it's deeply rooted in your spirit, then you believe it, you believe it, you believe it. Amen? Amen. If anyone was to, was to ask you, um, what are the directions to your house from, you know, from some point in town where you are, you know, how, how do you how do you get to your house? Well, well, you don't have to sit down and meditate on how to give those directions to get to your house. Amen. It is more than just an intellectual exercise for you to to you to know how to get to your house. You know it because it's in your heart. It's in your heart. You know that this is where you live. You know how to get to your to your to your house. Well, that's where where it needs to be with the Word of God. Okay. Verse 14 again, but the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Verse 15, see, I have set before you this day, not tomorrow, saints of God, this day, this day, life and good, 
and death and evil. In that I command you, this day, not tomorrow, but this day, to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that you may live and multiply, hallelujah, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither you go to possess it. Amen? So wherever that land is that you're going to possess, Whatever that thing is in your life that you're praying and hoping for. I always talk about we all have promised lands. And you're waiting to get there. And you're waiting to get there. If you do what this scripture is saying to you to do. Okay. If it's in your mouth and, and you're living it. Okay. If, you, if, if this day, if you will make a decision to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and statutes. Okay. And that you shall live. And the Lord thy God shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. That thing that's out there saying of God, God can give you that. God can bring you to that place. God can bless you. But you've got to live and live and live and obey his words and commandments. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to keep that strong faith and stop it from being poisoned, stop that old devil from getting in there, planting doubt in your mind and, and fear just running rampant in your life and you doubting what the word of God and you is saying to you and, and you're fearful of where things are going to go into your life. You're fearful about your job. You're fearful about your health. You're afraid to go outside. You're this and you're that and you're that and you're, and you're just living in fear and fear. Your faith system has been poisoned, saint of God. Stand up this day, not tomorrow or next week, but the word of God says this day, this day, make a decision that you're going to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes. And according to the word of God here, the Lord thy God shall bless you. He will bless you in that thing that you're going to possess in the land whither you go to possess it. The thing that you're wanting to possess, the thing that you're praying about, God will give it to you. But this day decide to return unto him. Amen. 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 Oh, glory to God. He's a great and wonderful God. Verse 17 continues here. He says, but if, underline the word if, two letters, powerful word, because that if, that if has changed the direction of, of, of countries, of nations over the many years. That word if has changed and turned in the life of millions, billions over the years. That if, that if always indicates a choice. It indicates a balance. Either you're on the left side or the right side. You're on the right side, the, the, the left side or right side. You're on the wrong side or the right side or the correct side. Amen. But that if is a powerful word, you know. So he says in 17, but if thine heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Amen. Amen. Before I go on 18, if, if your heart, if you turn away, if deep in your spirit you turn away so that you cannot hear the word of God. And you wind up being drawn away to worship other gods. And you can worship other gods, you know, that are not gods as you might think of them. They're not little idols sitting on the dashboard of your car. But it's things in your life. It's people in your life that you put before God. These things are more important. 
Okay, so you wind up worshiping them because before going to church or before reading your Bible or before thinking about God, you wind up giving in to what they would want you to do or, or what this this thing would want you to do. I gotta gotta go work on my uh, 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 remodeled car, that 1954 Chevy that I'm restoring, man. Ah, oh, man, I gotta work on that Sunday morning. I gotta go down there to to Napa Auto. I think that's the name of the place and, and buy a so and so part. I gotta so I got so you're putting that as second fiddle to God. Then you're worshiping that thing. You're worshiping it. Okay? You're worshiping it. Okay? So if you, if your heart turns away, so you will not hear, but be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Verse 18 says, I denounce unto you this day, now, not tomorrow, next week, but this day, now, I denounce unto you that you will surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether you go to possess over Jordan to go to possess it whether you pass us over Jordan to go to possess it amen so God saying if you don't do that he said he's going to denounce you all right you shall surely perish you will not succeed in that thing that you're praying for okay so it behooves you this day saying do not let your faith water do not let your water be poisoned don't let your faith be poisoned amen Decide this day, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Saint, the thing that you're hoping and praying for is important. It's important that you make a decision now. Amen. It's important you make that decision now. Because come tomorrow morning, things are changing. So you need to choose today, Saint. What are you going to do as God is calling you to do? Are you going to give up those other things that would be distracting you? Are you going to put aside those people that would be calling unto you to call you away? Are you going to, going to, going to put aside all of those people that would talk garbage into your life to make you doubt and wonder? Are you going to simply put down and, and stop talking to, don't pick up the phone, stop calling them? There is no one in your life that is so precious that should keep you away from God who wishes to bless you. You know? Oh, God knows that many, many years ago there were some folks that I, that I knew that I, I hung with and so forth. And when I came to the Lord, man, you know, first of all, God, God had many of them just drop out of my life. Many of them later on, years later, I ran across a couple here and there and, told them that I was pastoring a church and things like that, and they had wanted to have nothing to do, you know? You know? But 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 that's okay, because God is first in my life. And when they come to mind, when they come to my spirit still today, I pray for them. I pray that, that the Lord can touch them and that they will open their eyes and see. But the point I'm making is that there is no human being in your life that is so important. I don't care whether it's mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, nephew, whoever, so important that they should keep you away from God. Because God, you know, you're hearing this message today. It's not by accident that you, you decided to tune into Genesis 1 podcast. It's not by accident. Amen. So I believe God is speaking to your heart today, this day, to take some actions. To take some actions. Amen. Verse 19 again. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore choose life. Underline. Therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live. Here it is again referring to your children. Okay? All right? Okay. If you can't think that it's important enough for you, then my gosh, you know, think about your children. You know, think about your children. God is saying it that by your actions, you need to stop and dwell on this for a moment, that by your actions you're impacting your children. You know that? Do you know that? By your actions or by your inactions or lack of action, you're impacting your children. Okay? A child is innocent. A child doesn't know whether he should go to the left or to the right, but you do. You do. Amen? Amen? So, so if we sit back and then don't give that spiritual guidance to our children, okay, then we are doing them an injustice. We're doing them a disservice. Okay? And you see, several times here, God has related, says, you, you and your seed. You and your seed. Let's go into, let's read through 19 and then smoothly go into 20. Verse 20. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. He's given you a choice. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. He's given you a choice. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That both you and your seed may live. Verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God. And that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him. (coughs) Excuse me. Thou mayest cleave unto him. Cleave means to stick to, to grab onto, to hold onto with dear life. For he is your life. That thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is your life. And the length of days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. To Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. Amen? Amen? So he's given us a choice. You talk about poison and faith, and you say, well, Pastor, how can my faith be poisoned? Well, that's how your faith can, can be poisoned, if you're not following the words that we just read. Okay? If you're not living your life in accordance with those words, then you're opening the door for that, the, a, a vial, a, 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 little, a little, little vial of poison can be easily slipped into your water of faith. Okay? And thereby poison it. Where you become so insecure and so fearful, amen, that the things in your life, the wrong things in your life that might go wrong, that may go wrong, that you think might go wrong, your faith becomes so poisoned with, with your insecurities and, and doubting the word of God that, that you, you, you keep concentrating on the fact that something will go wrong, okay, that that's what really happens. You poison your faith to the point where all you've done is open the door for evil to get a hold of you because you've lost your faith in God. Because you've lost your faith in God. So this day you've got to choose. And then just a few scriptures here from um, chapter 31, and and then we're going to close. But uh, 31 and verse number 1 says, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee. He will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. 
Amen. So he's saying there in verse number three that 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 the Lord thy God he goes over before you he will destroy these nations from before thee and thou shalt possess them. That means whatever whatever hindrances are standing in the way of you prospering and 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 receiving that which you've been praying for, whatever influences might be there that would be delaying or hindering you, holding you back or, or or stopping you from achieving that which you've been praying for. This word here is saying that God is going to go before you. All right. He's going to go before thee. And he will destroy those hindrances. He'll destroy them. Whatever you feel is holding you back from achieving or benefiting from, whatever it is that you're praying for, God will go before you and destroy those. He will remove those obstacles from in front of you. And then you shall possess it. You'll, you'll, possess, you'll possess it. You'll come into your promised land. Okay? And verse number 4 says, And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sion and Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face that you may go, that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong, be strong. Underline and highlight all of verse number 6 here. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of any situation that might be before you, saint. Whatever you feel is a point of opposition or something or someone that is opposing you or, or, or opposing you, do not fear them. Do not be afraid of the situation. Be strong and have a good courage. For the Lord your God, he it is that does go with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Verse number six. Amen. Amen. He goes with you. He will not fail. God will not fail you, child of God. He will not fail. It's as simple as that. You know? You're his child. You're following his commandments. You're trying your best to keep his word. If you slip and stumble, you're quickly to go and, and, and repent and ask forgiveness. Lord, the Lord of God said that he is faithful to forgive. Amen? Amen. But you've got to make a choice, saints of God. You've got to make a choice. You know? Things you're hoping for and you're praying for are never going to come to pass as long as you keep letting your your faith water remain poisoned. Cleanse it. Cleanse it by the blood of the Lamb. Choose this day to, to make a bold new start in trusting Him. You know? Make a promise to yourself and to God that you shall not be be, be distracted by those shiny objects that so surely come your way. Especially nowadays with so many things being said and done out there. Don't be so quick to follow. The only one that we follow is God. The only one that we bend a knee to is God. Is God. The only one we follow is God. The only one we bend a knee to is God. So I don't care where things are going on this earth, where what schemes man has devised to try and make life better because they just refuse to turn to God. They run around like crazy trying to figure out ways to make life better. So everyone comes up with all of these plans and schemes. The bottom line, God is the answer. God is the answer. And if we will return to him, those for the first time, if they will turn to him, God will make sure that you and your seed are okay. Amen. Verse 6 again, be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that, that does go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 7, and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage. 
For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that does go with, that does go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Amen. Amen. And what better closing words, saint of God, than for you to, to just go forward knowing that God will not fail you. We have the name of Jesus. His name is the most powerful antidote and medicine for anything that is in this universe. Those are the antidotes that we have for, for any poison that Satan would try to interject into our faith system, our faith water. When Satan tries to plant doubt and fear in your mind, literally rebuke that thought or feeling in the name of Jesus. Remember that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is of the devil. Don't focus on all that, 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 that could go wrong or might go wrong, but focus on all that will go right based on the promises of God. Guard your waters of faith so that there are no opportunities for it to become poisoned and turned into fear. In verse number eight again, Lord, he it, <clears throat> Lord, he it is that does go before thee. He's going to go before you, saint. He's going to go before thee. He will be with thee. He will be with you, saint of God. He's with you now. He'll be with you tomorrow, rest of the week, and for all the, all the rest of your life. He will not fail thee. God cannot fail. His word cannot return unto him void. He will not fail thee. Neither will he forsake thee. So fear not, and neither be dismayed. Trust in God, saint of God. Trust in God. Don't let your waters be poisoned. Make a decision today to return to him if you've drifted away, or for the first time if you don't yet know him, to turn to him and let him guide your life. Give your life to him and trust him. Don't let your waters of faith be poisoned. Praise God. Praise God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, O oh Lord God, for this time that we've had to spend with you, O oh Lord. We thank you so much for your, your words of wisdom, your insights, O oh Lord. We thank you so much for presence of Holy Spirit here with us, O oh Lord God, to speak, to speak to us in your own way. Lord, we know that you know every single need and desire that's in our heart. You know the points of opposition in our life. You know the, our points of weakness, O oh Lord God. We pray that, 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 that we shall be continually strengthened. Let us always be reminded, O oh Lord God, of your presence, that you are indeed here with us right now. You will be tomorrow and into next week and next month and next year and all in all through our lives until our Lord and Savior Jesus returns. And then we will indeed physically be with you. Oh, Lord God, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you so much. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that these words um, stay with us all. Let the words that we've just heard be deeply planted within our spirit so that they cannot be stolen away by the evil one, O oh Lord God. When trials or tribulations come into our life, let these words remain deeply rooted and planted, O oh Lord. That those words, these seeds of your words can grow in our lives and blossom forth to bring much fruit for your honor and glory and praise. Oh, Lord God, I thank you and I praise you. Get us all to our respective destinations safely. Let us spend the rest of the day and the week ahead until we join together again next time to praise you and to bless you, Lord God. Watch over us and keep us. We give it unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And all together, the Church of the Living God said, Amen, Amen, and Amen.